Welcome to Christian Overcomers. I'm Pastor Ben Heath, and I want to thank you for joining us for this Bible study. Genesis 47, world economy fails while God's people flourish. In chapter 46, Jacob and his family made their way all the way down to Egypt to be with Joseph during the great seven-year famine. And in this chapter, we're going to see Pharaoh officially give Israel the land of Goshen to live in, the best of all Egypt. While there, the world economy will begin to fail during this seven-year famine. The Egyptians will be forced to sell their lands to Pharaoh, but Israel will flourish. And I suppose the main lesson of this chapter is that God takes care of his own, even when everything else around us seems to fall apart. Okay? Never forget that. Let's begin reading. Genesis 47 verse 1, and it says, Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and all their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come up out of the land of, Egypt, uh, out of, the land of Canaan, and behold, they are in the land of Goshen. So Joseph is simply reporting to Pharaoh that his family all made it to Egypt safely. Verse 2, and he took some of his brethren, even five men, and presented them unto Pharaoh. So he takes five of his, uh, five of his, uh, of his kinsmen, and they are presenting themselves before, uh, before Pharaoh to be representatives of the entire family here. Five. Now, five is interesting. Five is the number of grace. And boy, was God showing the Israelites grace during this time. During this famine, this famine that was uh, decimating this whole region. Verse 3, And Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, Thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They said moreover to Pharaoh, For to sojourn in the land we are come, for thy servants have no pasture for their flocks. For the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now, therefore, we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Okay, this again, this land of Goshen was a blessed land. It was, it was um, a perfect place for them to raise their livestock. But, but I want you to see something. In the prior chapter, in chapter 46, Joseph had given his brethren strict instructions on how to answer Pharaoh when they presented themselves. And uh, he told them to be sure to tell Pharaoh that you are shepherds because he knew that the Egyptians abhorred shepherds. And by doing so, by saying this, it would guarantee that they would live in a land separate from the rest of the Egyptians in the land of Goshen. And, um, that they would be able to raise their um, livestock there. But, but, it, but it was God's way of ensuring that the Israelites would remain separate from the Egyptians and that they would uh, have their own nation within the heartland of Goshen and that it would be a place where they'd be protected, a place where they could flourish in numbers, and a place where they could develop into a nation themselves. In other words, Goshan represents the womb of Israel, so to speak. 
the womb where the nation of Israel would come, would start from 70 souls and come out at the time of the Exodus, about 400 years later, as a mighty nation made up of millions, at least a couple million people. Okay? Amazing stuff. All right. Verse 5, And Pharaoh spake unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. Okay, so it's, it's obvious, you know, um, Joseph and Pharaoh had already decided upon this. But, this, but Pharaoh is just making his official proclamation. I mean, this is now a legal deal. This is, this is being sealed, okay, for the Israelites to dwell in the land of Goshen. But I, I want to bring something up that's kind of interesting, you know, uh, this phrase, men of activity here, men of activity. You know, um, this was really another nice gesture of Pharaoh offering positions of responsibility to any diligent and hardworking Israelite. And it reminds me of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, that says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. Okay? That's what Proverbs 22, verse 9 says. Um, and, and so the lesson here is, you know, be productive. I mean, how do you think Joseph got to this position where he was in to be able to help his, not only help his family, but be able to be the savior of the world, of the material world at this time, or the physical world. Um, he got there by hard work and diligence. He started out as a slave, became a prisoner, and then by his work ethic and by God's blessings, being able to, uh, God, give him, God giving him the ability to interpret Pharaoh's dream, ends up being in charge of all Egypt underneath or almost in a sense above Pharaoh, okay? So the lesson is be a productive and reliable worker in whatever you do, and eventually you'll be promoted to a more honorable position. That's really the way the kingdom of God works as well. So, you know, regardless, hey, they were working, uh, Joseph was working with Pharaoh. But did, did he say, oh, man, I'm working for a pagan king. Uh, uh, I'm not going to work hard, you know. I'm going to wait till God's kingdom comes. And then, I, then, then I'll work hard. I'll work hard for the Lord. But you know what? That, that's, not the, that's not what God's people are supposed to do. We're supposed to do everything with the same amount of vigor that we would give to the Lord's work. In other words, if you work for an employer, if you work for the government, if you work for whoever, do it to the best of your ability and pretend like you're serving the Lord because you're there representing the Lord, whether you realize it or not. Okay? Verse 7. And Joseph brought in Jacob, his father, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. You know, it's interesting that Jacob blessed Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh let him. This no doubt shows the respect that Pharaoh has for Joseph. I mean, when you think about it, Pharaoh owes everything to Joseph. Had not Joseph 
interpreted his dream and diligently stored up the huge reserves of grain uh, to make it through the famine, Egypt would have fallen. So, you know, Pharaoh didn't say, hey, what are you doing, dude? You don't bless me, I bless you, to, to Jacob, Joseph's father. No, he, he's showing respect, okay? Um, no doubt Pharaoh loved Joseph very much and honored him. Um, and ultimately, it, it was God who brought Joseph to this position, okay? Verse 8, And Pharaoh said to J- unto Jacob, How old art thou? And uh, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are an hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of, of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Okay? Notice he says pilgrimage. I can't help but think of the American pilgrims. You know, why were they called the pilgrims? Well, they they were leaving. Well, I'll just say this in, in a spiritual sense. We're all pilgrims. All Christians are pilgrims. This is not our eternal uh, home, though eventually God will remake the earth and and then we will be uh, living here for the eternity and in uh, New Jerusalem or uh, for some, you know, around the earth in their various nations. Um but, you know, uh, Jacob is really, what he's doing here is he's explaining to Pharaoh that he, has all, that he has had a relatively rough life, probably causing him to age more than he would have otherwise. I don't know if Pharaoh asked him because he, maybe he looked old. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the deal was. But, um, but, but I want you to take note of this. Jacob was chosen by God. God even renamed him Israel, a prince, which means a prince that rules with God. But Jacob did not have a cushy life, okay? He didn't have a cushy life. You know, and God has a plan for each one of us. And just because you're one of God's chosen, don't expect your life to be cushy as well. It may be, you may have a really blessed and cushy life, um, but it may also be, that you may be someone uh, that God has chosen to live a life of trials, like Jacob did. So if you're chosen to live a life of trials, uh, by the way, Joseph did as well, but he ultimately overcame, don't complain. Just keep serving the Lord with all your heart. That's what you're called to do. Uh, it, It may be that God wants to refine you into something real important later on for his kingdom. It may also be that he wants you to be an example of somebody who goes through trials and people watch you and say, man, if I was that guy or if I was that woman, I would, uh, I would not be a Christian anymore with, with the hand that they've been dealt. But if you keep pl- plugging through and living your life to the best in faith, um, you may be able to witness to other people that way. Okay, so uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 10, just to back up what I was saying, um, those who live through the great tribulation, which could be us, it says many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. In other words, many of the wise will be uh, purified and made white. They're going to be tested. Okay. They're going to be tested. All right, verse 10. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh 
and went out from before Pharaoh, okay? Again, notice Jacob didn't reject the help of this pagan king. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes God can use worldly governments to protect protect and aid his people. He did it in the, he's done it in the past right here. He's using Egypt to uh, be Israel's military and uh, be its protection for this time being. But it's ultimately God that's doing it. So um, we, we've got to realize that, okay? We've got to realize that at times. Verse 11, And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Again, in the best of of the land. And you know, this is amazing. God caused all of this to come to pass from Joseph's dream, his brother selling him to Egypt, Pharaoh's dream, the famine, and now the Israelites moving into the heartland, so to speak, of Egypt, where they could be nourished and protected by a great superpower nation while they multiplied and grew into a mighty nation themselves. And, you know, it makes me think of the heartland of America, where so many Christians today live, farm, raise livestock, um, and, and so on, all the while being protected by the greatest military on earth. Now, I think America's a little different than than uh, Egypt in that it, um, it was built as one nation under God and and it was built by by uh, Christians, and that it may be part of the uh, part of some prophecies we're going to talk about in the next study. Uh, some birthrights and blessings that were given to two of the tribes, uh, two of the sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. But but nevertheless, hey, even if you were to say, hey, America has turned into a pagan country, which in many cases it has, um, it, it's gone from a Christian to secular to now it's getting more pagan. Um, it still is. The heartland of America still is a place of protection for Christians at this time. Now, will Pharaoh eventually will there eventually arise a Pharaoh to uh, persecute God's children in the midst of America or in the midst of Egypt, and then will and then will well possibly, but that would be about the time that God would deliver us and uh, bring in the eternal kingdom on earth when Jesus returns. Okay, moving on next verse, verse 12. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. Now I want you to pay attention to this word nourished here. He nourished them because I want you to see a parallel between this historical event and a prophecy in Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, where it says, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from the face of the serpent. Okay, Because in the future, we know that this woman symbolizes the Christians, those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, And this eagle comes and takes them into a wilderness land where they are to be nourished, okay? And again, I can't help but think of America. No other country in the history of the world 
has protected Christians like America has. That great eagle nation, okay? In other words, what we're seeing back here with the children of Israel going going to the land of Goshen to be nourished by Joseph during this great seven-year famine, um, we see a type of, you know, well, eventually, actually, this will ultimately come to its fulfillment uh, for a time, times and a half a time from the face of the serpent in Revelation chapter 12. Um, and so that that's half of a seven year, half of the seven year, um, uh, the final seven years, if you would, of this age. Okay. Known as the great tribulation period. All right, listen up. Uh, that could be the first half or the second half, probably the first half. But anyways, not going to get into that. Verse third, I just want you to know that there's a parallel between this book and the book of Revelation. Okay. Verse 13, and there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Okay, these are tough times, my friends. And Jesus warns us that prior to the last days, that there would be um, famines and pestilences, in diverse places. And he says that all these things are the beginning of the beginning of sorrows in Matthew 24 verses 7 through 8. So, you know, make no mistake about it. The famine that hit the land of Egypt and Canaan is a type of the kind of famines we may see as we near the last days. My question to you would be are you prepared? Have you stored up food for your family? Food and supplies for your family to make it through hard times. Um, if not, why not? Joseph did. I mean, taking a look at what happened here briefly during the uh, coronavirus scare, uh, seeing what happened to our grocery stores and the shelves being empty, and, and we're still living through it right now. Uh, this, uh, you know, not being able to leave except for essential supplies and, and so on. I mean, um, this is... Uh, um, you know, this is a warning to us that we should be prepared. So I encourage everybody. I mean, we know we could be living in the last days. So, and we know some of these things are going to happen. We've been forewarned. Well, just as when Joseph was forewarned to prepare, we should be forewarned to prepare for these types of things. Okay. Don't be unprepared. This is a warning, okay? I'm not telling you to run out to the grocery store now and, uh, you know, go crazy because now is not the time. But after this is all done and, um, you know, hopefully this will all be done. After this is all done and the stores get their supplies back, then, hey, it would be wise of you to start keeping an inventory, a stockpile of all the things that you would need to make it through a hard time. Verse 14, and Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Check this out. Pharaoh's house. I mean, you know, um, he's, he's bringing it to the government here. He's, Joseph, in a sense, is being the, the uh, well, it's not really a tax yet. Okay. It's just the prophets. Um. Verse 15, and when the, now check this out. This is 
I talked about this in the introduction, and I hope you are still hanging on here. And when the money and when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, "Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth." So what happened? Now check this out. When money failed. What happened, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight that here if you can see that with my pointer. When money failed, what happened here is equivalent to a worldwide economic collapse. Now, I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen because of coronavirus. It could. But at some point, I think we should expect this to happen. Okay? Revelation 6 verse 6 mentions something sort of similar to this where it says and I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine okay in other words um, you know it's not a penny like we would think of a penny basically what this says is you will work all day long an entire day's worth of wages just to buy a measure of wheat all right Verse 16, and Joseph said, give your cattle and I will give you for your cattle if money fail. So this is interesting. So he says, hey, um, I'll take your cattle if the money fails. So now now he's kind of moving to a barter system here. Uh, Verse 17, and they brought their cattle unto Joseph. And Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for flocks and for the cattle of the herds and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. Continuing on, when that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in thy sight, in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. So this second year, I don't know if that, uh, this isn't necessarily talking about the second year of the famine. Um, I believe it's talking about the second year since they came unto him, um, saying that uh, you know they were kind of in trouble here. So he says, "We will, we will." Um, now I'm kind of being disrupted a little bit. There's uh, somebody out there blowing their. Uh, <laughs> using their lawn blower or something. Sorry about that. I I know you're probably picking that up on the microphone, but we're just going to keep plowing through here and try to get through that noise here. Hopefully uh, it'll subside here. But uh, so they came unto him the second year and they said unto him, we will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. They're saying, Hey, we're, we're, we're broke. We've got no food. We've got no money. Okay. Hope that doesn't happen. uh, You know, anytime soon for us, but if it does, we need to be prepared. Uh, verse 19, wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land, buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be thy servants unto Pharaoh, and give us seed, that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. So again, the people are broke, and they are starving to death. They have nowhere else to turn but to beg the government of Egypt to take them as slaves. Okay. Oftentimes, when there's a crisis, uh, the government gains more power. And we're going to see this happen here. And Joseph's actually going to facilitate it. Okay. But but 
but uh, but I'll explain a little bit as we get to that here. Um, verse twenty. And Joseph bought all the and Joseph now I'm checking and Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. Okay, so the land became Pharaoh's. This is probably one of the most significant government land grabs in history. And Joseph was the one to carry it out. But you know what? Before we blame Joseph for being a bad guy, let us remember that this famine was brought upon the world by God. Okay, this was brought upon the world by God. Perhaps the famine itself and the result of the people having to sell their land to the government was punishment for the way they had been living. That's that's what I'm guessing, okay? And um, and as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other end thereof, okay? So this even seems worse. Now Joseph forces the landowners to move into the cities? Well, this was probably done as a judgment against uh, the people of the earth here at this time as well as the Egyptians. Okay, verse 22. Only the land of the priests bought he not, for the priests had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh, and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them. Wherefore, they sold not their land. So it's interesting. The religious leaders of Egypt uh, were, were exempted from this government takeover. Verse 23, Then Joseph said unto, unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. Okay, um, so it appears Joseph not only stored up grain, but he also stored up seed. Okay, so it's probably a good idea to follow his example and store up some seeds as well. So we can grow our own food, you know, in the future. Okay. Um, verse 24, and it shall come to pass in the, in the increase that you shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own, for seed of the field and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. Okay? The, now, he says you shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh. This was, 20%, this was a 20% income tax. You know, we already have that and, and even more in America today. Okay? A 20% income tax. Interesting stuff here. Verse 25, And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. Okay? The, you know, the Egyptians saw this 20% tax as a good deal. Okay? Now they're working government land. Okay? Verse 26, And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priests only, which became not Pharaoh's. Now check this out. Joseph was the one that made this a law over the land. Uh, this shows the power that Joseph had. I mean, the, the, he, he actually made laws. Okay? And verse 27 says, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. So watch the hand of God here. Now, now, this is an important verse. 
while the Egyptians had to give up their land to Pharaoh because of the famine, the Israelites gained the best land in Egypt. And they acquired many possessions and multiplied exceedingly there, okay? So this was a bad thing for the Egyptians, but a good thing for the Israelites. I can't help but wonder if maybe the, uh, the, the Egyptians had, if part of God's plan was to move them into the cities out of the country, away from, away from the Israelites, to keep them separate, okay? You know, it's interesting, a lot of God's people, I know there's some very good servants of God in the cities these days, but a lot of God's people dwell out in the heartland, away from the cities. A lot of God's people want to get out of those cities, okay? And for very good reason. Um, Verse 28, And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. Okay? Though Jacob thought he was... Remember Jacob thought he was going to die after seeing Joseph again? He actually lived another 17 years. Um, They must have been good years too. I mean, being isolated together... Uh, with his family in the best of the land of Egypt, away from the Canaanites, and really pretty much away from the Egyptians as well. This was, And in this special blessed land. I mean, they were totally protected, didn't really have a care in the world from outside armies, uh, it appears. Um, so this, this Jacob lived another 17 years after that. Verse 29, And the time drew near that drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son... Um, oh, I want, I went back there on accident. Okay. And the time drew near verse 29 and the time drew near that Israel must die. And he called his son, Joseph and said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not. I pray thee in Egypt. Okay. Jacob's dying and he, and he, and he, uh, he requests that Joseph not bury his body in Egypt. Verse 30, But I will lie with my fathers, and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. So Joseph agreed, um, you know, though he had a good life in Egypt, Jacob still carried the hope of the land that was promised to he and his fathers. He did not look at Egypt as the... uh, as the land of promise, though it was good to them for a time. He wanted to be buried in the land of promise. For, you know, it kind of reminds me today, you know, uh, America is a great land to us today. I love this country. But ultimately, what we're looking forward to is heavenly Jerusalem, the kingdom of God on this earth. Okay? That's where our heart is. That's where our, that's where our desires lie. Verse 31, and he said, swear unto me, and he swear unto him, and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. So again, my friends, no matter how bad things get, no matter how hopeless our outlook seems at times, trust that God will bring us into a better place. He will take care of us. and We must, we must believe that. We must trust him. We must trust that all things work out in the end for the good of God's people. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed this study. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, 
and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer. Thank <laughs> you.